the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. That's our theme verse from Mark chapter 5, verse 33 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Family Pastor J.C. Thompson continues our series called Encounters with Christ. Today's episode, A Trembling Encounter. For the spiritual practice this week, commit to the daily reading provided by Brookwood. You'll find it on the message resources in the Brookwood app. As you read the daily reading, ask God to speak to you in His Word. If you want to watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search the message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the Encounters with Christ series. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. And now, J.C. Thompson. Can you look back on a time where you absolutely saw Jesus' handprints all over your life? And I hope all of you can. Well, hello. Y'all, y'all seem ready to listen this morning. Y'all all right? That was a good worship set this morning. Thank y'all for singing along. Uh, well, my name's JC. I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, just wanted to say, first of all, thank y'all for being here. Um, I am so thankful to uh, just share this summer series with, with Josh um, and it's been a joy. It's been a joy to talk about Jesus with y'all. Um, so I appreciate y'all's um, focus and learning and laughing and even listening to us, even though we have a little bit more hair than Perry. Uh, I appreciate you giving us that grace and mercy. I'm sure I'll hear, hear about that tomorrow from him. Um, but uh, today we are continuing our series entitled Encounters with Christ. Um, Today's message is called A Trembling Encounter. Uh, We'll be in Mark chapter 5 today. Um, And I I titled this one A Trembling Encounter because of our theme verse, which comes from Mark 5 verse 33, which just says this, then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Now, if you hear that verse and you're not familiar with the story, you may be thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, what has this woman done? But that, that verse in particular is especially shocking when you realize what it was that she actually did. Um, so today we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse uh, 25. Um, and I'm just going to read the whole encounter, but just to give you a little context before we read the story, um, Jesus, and especially in Mark, you see these miraculous things that Jesus does, the, kind of the, the gospel of Mark, Mark's angle on retelling the story of Jesus is showing how Jesus has authority over all the world and all the demonic powers. And so you see special demonstrations of Jesus and his miracles in the gospel of Mark. And so, but what's interesting is not everybody is in awe of Jesus's power. In fact, a lot of times they're terrified. And one such instance of this uh, happens um, in the beginning of chapter five, where Jesus goes across the lake. He heals a demon-possessed man who was in chains. It was so miraculous. The guy's name was, he, he was calling himself Legion because of the amount of demons in him. And Jesus cast those demons out into a group of, anybody know the story? Into a group of pigs. They went over the cliff. They died. And while people were not like, wow, you saved this demon-possessed man. That's incredible. They were like, 
get out of here, uh, either because they were, you know, valuing their livestock or they were terrified at what just occurred in front of their eyes. So Jesus went back across um, this lake in the region of Capernaum, and when he got back across, there was this man named Jairus. Now, anytime you see the name of someone, it wasn't just because the people who were writing it knew that person's name. It was also because that person would have been known to the people that were reading it. So Jairus was a well-known man with a lot of authority, and he grabbed Jesus, and he said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. Please help me. And so on the way, Jesus agrees to help with, with his dying daughter, and on the way to go heal his daughter, we have this story in Mark chapter 5. So starting in verse 25, we'll read the story together. If you got your Bible or your scroll or your phone or your husband or wife's Bible, you can follow along, okay? Verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal, listen to this, from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better, in fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, this woman was filled with fear, possibly brought on by her physical condition, but also because of her status as an unclean woman. And so, for some of you in our crowd today here in person or maybe watching online, you may be in a situation filled with fear. And today, I, I hope that uh, when we look at this woman's encounter with Christ, we'll see what we can do when we face a situation that may cause us to tremble. So if you got your outline, you can go ahead and take it out. When facing a situation filled with fear, you must first recognize physical suffering. Recognize physical suffering. Verse 25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. This woman had suffered from her condition for 12 years. That's over 4,000 days of bleeding. And I use days because sometimes 12 years, while we know it's a long time, we don't really put into context something that would affect you every single day. So if you could imagine 4,000 days in a row being affected by this condition, every day wondering, where's this coming from? How do I get this to stop? You know from a loss of blood, not only is it the idea of what may happen to your body, but it's also physically fatiguing, draining. It, it would be 
not a great situation, not just from the fact that she's, something obviously is wrong with her body, but in addition to that, the energy it would take to do everyday normal tasks. Her issue of constant bleeding could have been any number of sources. The scriptures don't tell us where it came from. It's possible that it may have been an infection of some sort or some kind of internal source. Some say tumors. Um, it could have been any number of things. Not only has she endured physical pain and fatigue from this ailment that she's got, but she also had spent her financial resources, her mental energy, and emotional well-being on trying to find a cure. Not sure if any of you have been in that situation where it seems you're expending all kinds of effort, seeing all kinds of doctors, funds on these treatments are starting to dry up in trying to find a solution to the physical suffering that you might be enduring. More than likely, she might have also pursued experimental treatments for her issue, maybe even trying to find a doctor, maybe with not even the best reputation because some of the things that they would be willing to try, all in an effort to seek relief from her situation. You can imagine how desperate it might feel. But in addition to finding no relief from her pain and continual bleeding, this woman's condition, the Scriptures say, got worse. In Leviticus, the Scriptures, the law lets us know that any bleeding issue that would not stop would cause someone to be unclean. And we talked about weeks ago in this series, as we talked about the leper's encounter with Christ, what being unclean meant. We talked about how it would affect every single relationship in your life, that when you came into a crowd of people, you would have to announce that you were unclean in front of them, staying at least a reputable distance away from them so that they could make a decision of what they needed to do to keep themselves clean. But in addition to that, one of the most discouraging, difficult parts of being unclean is that you would not be able to participate in temple worship. Now for us, you know, we, we kind of have this picture sometimes that faith is meant to be lived by you and Jesus. If I got Jesus, then I'm good. But one, that's not true. The Scriptures teach us that we're the body of Christ, and so we can't live by ourselves. because if we're just one part, then if we're living by ourselves with just Jesus, there's a whole lot of parts missing, okay? But in addition to that, we have the Scriptures. We are, we're blessed to have a Bible that we can hold and read in our very own language. To not be a part of temple worship would have mean that you would have been completely separated from the Word of God. You would not have heard it read, and you would not have heard it taught. That should terrify us. You know, for, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, and if we go a couple weeks without being in the presence of somebody who loves Christ, or being in the presence of the Word being taught to us and unfolded, we know the effect that it not only has on our body, but our mind and our spirit as we seek to deal with all the realities of life. And this is the situation that this woman would have found herself in. And there are also those of us in this crowd, both here and online, who may have had debilitating, long-term physical issues. It's not the issues themselves all the time that are the only thing that bothers you. It's also the stigma associated with those things, the isolation, the degradation of being labeled as not normal because of your condition. Those of you in this room who may have struggled with things like infertility or have children with special needs, those with physical issues such as cancer or maybe some sort of immune system disorder, possibly even something like food allergies, can all cause significant 
different ways of life for people. In fact, it's one of the wonderful things about coming to Brookwood because you can't come in here and not find someone with an issue. In fact, at the nine o'clock service, we translate our service for those who are deaf or hearing impaired. In addition to that, we have an entire wing in our church dedicated to our special friends, those folks who have special needs. And if you have never seen that, please, please reach out to Angie who runs that. If you have not seen that, it will blow your mind what we offer and see every single week from our special friends ministry. In addition to that, you see folks that are in wheelchairs, folks that maybe have difficulty getting around and walking. We have limited mobility parking spaces to try and help them because at Brookwood, we want folks to know that no matter your issue or your ailment, you are welcome here. And we want you to know that you're loved, yes, by us, but also by Christ. See, but these physical ailments also have a social aspect to them. I mean, things like parties, even going out to eat, things like physical activities, even how you vacation or can you vacation all look very different when you have some long-term issue like this. In fact, some of you in this room maybe even don't understand the stigma that you have. But when I used a phrase like food allergy, some of you may have went, I mean, that's not that big a deal. And yet I have seen kids struggle to breathe because of the mere presence of a peanut. The reality is families have different rhythms of life based on the suffering that they are enduring. The question is, what do we do with our suffering? What do we do with it? Now, I think we're in a great place today because the pandemic has heightened our awareness of some things. In fact, if somebody coughs, whereas years ago you would be like, it's a cough. You probably wouldn't even recognize it or thought anything about it. Now, coughs, sneezes, someone blowing their nose, you're like, oh my goodness. But you know what's crazy? I know that all that is like at the top of our minds. But in addition to that, how many of you did not go to work when years ago you would have went to work? And you know why that is? It's because we're aware of what's happening in our bodies like never before. And even in hearing this message, you may be able to point to someone in your life whose physical suffering is so much greater than yours, but you may not be willing to actually dive in and figure out what's going on in me. In fact, the American way of life hasn't necessarily benefited us in this. What we'll do is, because America has taught us this, is what do we do when things get hard? We grab our bootstraps, we tighten them up, and we move forward, right? Right? And we grin and we bear it and we pretend like nothing can ever bring us down because we live in the greatest place on planet earth. And yet, we sometimes aren't paying attention to what is really affecting us. And not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually. What does God want us to do with our suffering? He wants us to come to him. He doesn't want us to figure it out. He wants us to share that we need him and his help. But even the idea of asking for help is like torture for some of us. And yet that's precisely what God wants us to do. 
Do we come to God with boldness when we feel any sort of tinge in our body, our mind, our emotions that we know is not Christ-like? Or do we just try and get past it, cover it up, figure it out? When you're at rock bottom because of your physical suffering or someone who is close to you, who or what do you turn to? Do you immediately dive onto the internet and figure out every study ever done for this diagnosis? Do you post on social media seeing if anybody's got any experience with this? Or some of you trying to make all the thoughts go away, do you dive into some sort of drug or alcohol, some destructive behavior, hoping that it will numb the pain? But what or who do you turn to to find relief from the suffering? And how in the world can you find joy regardless of your circumstances? Our world, because of sin's influence, makes physical suffering a reality. We see it all through the pages of Scripture. But even in the midst of that, Christ meets us. So if you're suffering today, the first step that you need to take is to be able to name it. What's the thing that's causing you pain? What's the thing that's causing you emotional turmoil? What's that thing? This woman knew her issue. It didn't stop her from trying to find a solution for it, but she knew what it was. And she had spent all of her financial resources of trying to figure it out. Unfortunately, in our culture sometimes, we make health, our independence, and even our grit or our toughness an idol instead of reaching out to our Savior who wants to meet us where we are. What's unique as well is suffering gives us an opportunity to meet God in a way that we would not meet God otherwise. C.S. Lewis talks about how God whispers to us in all arenas of our life, but he shouts to us in our pain. And some of us in this very room can testify to God's shout in our own life when we've went through something difficult. If that's you, can you just get a little amen real quick? Because as much as the suffering is difficult, and I would never, ever, ever make light of anyone's suffering nor wish suffering on anyone, I can just tell you from my own life, I have met God in a unique and personal way because God got my attention through my pain. And so I'm so thankful for that. In addition to recognizing our issue and being aware of it, we also have to reach out to Christ. We have to reach out to Christ. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. This woman's desperation 
in recognizing her physical suffering turns into an astounding act of faith. After hearing about Jesus, which I think is such a unique statement because how did she hear about him? There wasn't a social media platform for her to go on and figure out what's going on in the world. There wasn't a marketing crew going ahead of Jesus, paving the way for him, making an announcement that he's coming to town. And yet, word was spreading. Maybe she heard about the pigs who went over the side of the cliff from the other side of the lake. Or maybe she had heard about some of the the miraculous things he had done for other people through healing them physically. Or maybe she had heard about his teaching and how he taught with such authority and power, like he knew God. Whatever it was that she had heard about Jesus, it compelled her to go and find him. This woman's faith is seen clearly here, not just in her actions of trying to touch Jesus, but in addition, her thought that she thought to herself, which is, if I can get to him, I can be healed. She takes her limited knowledge of who Jesus is, having never encountered him before physically, and thinks, if I can only touch his robe, my condition will be healed. This is such a tremendous statement for us. She recognized that Jesus had authority over all the earth, and while she desired to touch his clothes, she recognized that it didn't have anything to do with his clothes. It had everything to do with him. He alone could heal her, not his clothes. But what's also interesting about the clothes that Jesus would have been wearing is that God had taught the Israelites to wear certain articles of clothing to set themselves apart. In fact, they were called to wear tassels attached to the end of their robes so that when they would walk by, one, the Israelites would be reminded of all that God had done in their lives. But in addition to that, it would be a sign to the rest of the world, the rest of the public, that these are people who have placed their faith in God. And the Pharisees took this an extra step. They made their tassels longer than everybody else's, which should give you a picture of the pride and arrogance that was inside of their hearts. And yes, it even came out in their clothing choices, which is a good evidence for you and a story to share with your teenagers as they are making clothing choices. Uh, But Jesus didn't lengthen his tassels. In fact, he would have wore them quite traditionally. And so this lady would have been grasping at the tassels of Jesus's robe, the very things that pointed to him being a follower of the God of Jacob and Israel were the things that she would have grasped at, which is a very cool picture. She was instantaneously healed at touching his robe. What all of the doctor's time and money that she had spent trying to find a cure could not heal her, but a mere touch of Jesus' tassels on his robe did. This woman recognized that Jesus could heal her And she also recognized that he did heal her. Hebrews 11.6 says this, it is impossible to please God without money, power, social media followers, all the Bible memorized. No, what's the scripture say? Without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. This 
is the picture of that woman. She is such a wonderful example for us of a faith that pleases God. While her desperation to find a cure to her physical ailment put her in a place to be searching for answers, she truly believed that Jesus was the one who could provide an answer to her issue. And we had already talked about how this was such a big deal because she would have been ceremonially unclean, which separated her from temple worship. It would have separated her from friends and family and their desire to stay clean. But as she works her way through the crowd, the risk that she was taking on in touching someone was significant. And it was significant not only because if someone would have found out that this woman who's unclean had touched her, there's a stigma involved, there's a social standard that she's breaking, but she was also putting herself at physical risk because we learned that if someone was unclean and would have moved into your space, even priests had been known to stone those people to death. What a risk to try and just touch the clothes of Jesus Christ. She also would have approached Jesus in a way that what if she did touch this man who had authority? What if she did touch this man with all the power in the world? What would his response be to her knowing that she was unclean? Remember, she didn't know everything about Jesus. What would her act of faith, her risky decision, what would Jesus' response have been to her? knowing that an unclean woman had touched him. She showcased her great faith, trusting that Christ would not have shamed her, but instead would have healed her and accepted her. In your life, it could be a debilitating physical condition. It could be some sort of sin that you can't seem to find forgiveness from God or others for. It could be escaping from your past or even restoring a broken relationship. Our step is the same. We must reach out to Christ. We must reach out for his help, and we must reach out for his guidance. Will you do that today? Now, in our world, we can't touch Jesus physically. Not yet. One day, when Jesus comes back, we will have an eternity where we can hug him, We can shake his hand. We can lift him up in the air, celebrating how awesome he is. One day we will get to experience that. But today, the way that we reach out to Christ is through prayer. It's through reading of the scriptures. It's through sharing a testimony of what God has done in your life. It's showing up to worship and singing praises to his name. So yes, you have an opportunity. You've had multiple opportunities even in this room today, in your house, on your couch, sitting on the floor, You've got an opportunity today to reach out to Christ. Will you do it? Not only must we recognize our physical suffering and reach out to Christ, but we also must receive the words of Christ. We must receive the words of Christ. Verse 30. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. 
Jesus, after being touched by this woman with great faith, could feel physically healing power go out from him. Now, I can't explain the metaphysics behind that. I cannot explain how spiritual healing, supernatural healing, caused a physical sensation in Jesus' body. But one truth I do think that it does show to us is that supernatural healing does not come from an impersonal force. It comes from a person. It comes from God the Father who has a person and a characteristics. And if you receive healing, it is because God himself has given you healing. It didn't just come out of the ether. So when Jesus healed this woman, and he did heal this woman, he felt that he healed her. It's also a wonderful illustration for us who sometimes may, for those of you who see yourself as very insignificant, there's a lot going on in the world. I got my little thing. Does, does Christ really care about me? You've got to remember where this story is happening, right? A group of people just said, hey, get out of here. And then right when he comes back, Jairus says, my daughter is dying. And on the way, this woman touched him to get healing. How easy would it have been for Jesus to just continue going to this man's house to heal his daughter? And yet, she didn't even say anything to him, and he stopped, which lets me know even today, God recognizes our faith. When you pray, when you reach out to Christ, much like this woman does, yeah, there's a lot going on in the world. Absolutely. And God's involved in all of it. And he's also involved with you who show faith in him. What a wonderful encouragement. Now, the disciples' question at first seems like a, an insightful one, right? What do you mean, who touched you? What in the world, Jesus? Why would you ask that question? Everybody touched you. Everybody, I just touched you, right? Like, it seems like a great question to ask. And what Jesus was trying to explain to them, and what I love about, what I love about the Gospels is that the disciples wrote them, and they, they kept all this stuff in. How easy would it have been to be like, we totally knew what Jesus was doing the whole time, right? They kept these statements in here. And it should have shocked the disciples at what he was doing. They probably felt the tension of going to see Jairus' daughter. They felt the hurry. They felt the busyness. They felt all the things that Jesus had to do. They would have just witnessed these pigs going into the lake. Imagine all the things they're feeling emotionally. So when Jesus asked a question, who touched me? They're going, what in the world, dude? Everybody touched you. They expressed what their eyes could see but not the reality of what Christ was revealing. Many were pressing on Christ that day, but one truly touched him in faith. Many pressed in on Jesus, but one reached out in faith. I think it's the same for us. Even in here, I'm, I, you know, I love all y'all, everybody. Even I've never met you in person before, I love you. Can't wait to talk to you and tell you why Memphis has the best barbecue, okay? But, but I will say this to you. Not everybody came in here in faith today. Some of you showed up. Maybe your wife made you come. Maybe your kids make you come. Maybe you didn't have anything else to do and you know that you could get out of the rain. 
I don't know what your motivation is. But some of you did come in faith today. And you wanted to receive from Christ what he has for you. If you didn't come in faith, that's okay. We want you to keep coming back. Because I think Christ is compelling enough to one day you'll want to reach out to him in that way. Jesus knew immediately who touched him. He didn't ask this question because he didn't know. We saw earlier in this series when Josh taught about Nathaniel that he saw Nathaniel under a fig tree. He wasn't there physically. How did he do that? So of course he knew who touched him. See, he didn't just want this woman to get healing. He wanted her to experience something greater. And that was Jesus himself. He wanted to give her his presence, not just his power. It's crucial for us to understand those things. And here's what happened, verse 33. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, your suffering is over. What I love about Jesus is after he asked the question that he already knew the answer to, in almost every encounter with Christ, we see someone immediately answer Jesus. This lady did not immediately step forward. You've got to remember, everyone that knows what's going on with Jesus in that moment is in such a hurry to get to this daughter who's dying because they don't understand he can raise her from the dead. And so they are on high alert. And in the instance where Jesus encounters someone touching him who does not want to come forward at first, he waits. Because Jesus is concerned about God's agenda. And sometimes in our suffering and sometimes in our hurt, the timing's not right yet. And for some of us, our suffering may last until Christ comes back. But we will find healing. And so he waited for this woman to come forward and confess what she had done. And she did. Either from fear of embarrassment, of being unclean and touching someone who was clean, or rejection because of her physical issue, or maybe just the fact that she recognized for over 4,000 days this condition she had is now gone, and recognizing that this man ain't a regular man. Something is different, and there's some fear there. Whatever the reason was, she did not come forward at first, but she did come forward. Realizing not only that she had been healed physically, but also recognizing that this Jesus had power of which she had not experienced. Recognizing what she had done in totality, she fell to her knees and told Jesus everything. This public confession pleased Jesus, and he shared his word with her. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. See, Jesus wanted this woman not only to get physical healing, he wanted her to receive salvation, forgiveness of her sin, a new identity, 
in a new relationship with God. We see this revealed to us in the Greek. In verse 29, when she was immediately healed, that word, iamai, which is the most frequently used term for physical healing used in the New Testament, is not the same word in verse 34 when Jesus says, your faith has made you well, or in other English translations, your faith has healed you. That word, it's sozo, sozo, which is the most common word used for being saved from your sins in the New Testament. Jesus didn't just heal this woman. He pronounced salvation from her sins, proving that Christ not only had authority over the earth and all the things in the earth, including everything in this woman's body, but also to forgive her sins, something that God alone can do. By healing her body, she would have been able to go back into her community. She would have been involved in temple worship again. And let me just tell you, they probably had a real good worship service when she showed back up. And she was able to be reunited with her family and her friends. But most importantly, because she was saved from her sins, she was reconciled with the God of this universe. Jesus healed many people physically, but not everyone who got physical healing is saved from their sins showing each of us which one God values more. God values salvation more than our physical healing. These words from Jesus would have given her a new identity and a new relationship to God as well as impacted and changed every relationship that she had with every human being from that point forward. These words from Christ also provided a public testimony to the supernatural healing power of God and that Christ came not just to heal and perform miracles, to pronounce that the kingdom of God was at hand and that people could receive forgiveness for their sins. We can trust that when we come to God, he will not reject us, John 6, 37. However, those that the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. The words of Christ have power for us. Now for me, this is also a wonderful illustration of how to pray. You know, sometimes we're so afraid that our prayers become rote, you know, but we all love the Lord's Prayer and memorize it and say it, and I I just don't think that prayers prayed with the right attitude become rote. The words express emotion and feeling and significance. So I I don't want this to be a rote prayer for you, but I also want you to recognize this is a way to pray, this woman's encounter with Christ. And so I just want to share that application with you today. It's just a three-step process in praying when you've got an issue. Now, yes, if you've got a long-term, physical, debilitating issue, yes, this is a prayer for you. But this is also a prayer when your kids frustrate you. This is a prayer that you can pray when your spouse forgot something important. This is a prayer that you can pray when your job doesn't do what they said they were going to do. This is a prayer when you're scared about what may happen next. First, you've got to recognize your physical issue. What's your issue? What's your thing? What's going on in you? I'm mad. I'm mad that this person did this. I'm frustrated that this happened. I'm worried. I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I hurt. And you reach out to Christ with your issue. 
Well, JC, what's that sound like? Well, I'll tell you what it sounds like for me. God, I got four kids and they're frustrating the mess out of me. They're kids. They don't understand English all the time. They're not listening. They won't stop running. They're frustrating me. I shouldn't be frustrated at these wonderful children you've made. But God, you know them. Now, maybe you don't pray like that. I 100% pray like that. I do. Not because it's funny, but because I'm desperate. You know, one of the prayers in Psalm 28 is David praying, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to die. And yet we don't want to express those things to him. He's too busy? No. He didn't shame his disciples when they asked a question like that. He taught them. He showed them. He guided them. He coached them. He loved them. But the last thing, and the thing that makes prayer prayer and not just talking to the wall, you must receive the word of Christ. It's why almost everyone throughout church history, when they prayed, they prayed with the scriptures in their hands. Because God has always answered the prayers of those who pray in faith. He's promised it to us. And so when we pray, we pray with our eyes and our ears towards the words of Christ. And sometimes he tells you something crazy and sometimes he tells you something you should have already known. And yet, when you receive the words of Christ, much like this woman, everything changes. And so today, when we pray, yes, we're going to pray. If you've got any issue that you need to pray about, our care volunteers are going to be down front. And we want to pray with you. We want to help you. We want to guide you. But in addition to that, I want to teach you how to pray. And, and listen, I wish I could tell you I know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. <laughs> I hope when I'm 80, I can look at somebody and say, I, I, prayed, I prayed a few times. I know what to do. But this is one that has been so helpful to me. So we're going to do it together. Is that okay? Y'all can do this online too. Okay, let's, let's pray. Care volunteers, y'all can come on down front. God, we, we love you. God, we all have issues. And right now, we want to take an opportunity and share our issues with you. God, we, we need you. Even the fact that we're praying like you asked us to is a sign that we want you to tell us what to do. But God, if we don't get your word, we won't know what to do. God, don't allow us to figure these things out on our own. Speak to us clearly, God. Speak to your people, God. Give us what it is that we need to do. What's the next thing that we need to do when it comes to our issue? God, we thank you that you've given us your son, Jesus. We thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've given us your presence through your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you've given us this life where things happen to us and it causes us to go to you. God, help us. Give us the courage to obey what you've just told us to do. 
God, help us to be the church, to be the city on a hill, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, to be less concerned than pointing someone to worldly wisdom and instead pointing them to the God who loves them. God, we, we need you. Speak to us today. It's in the name of Christ we all pray these things and all God's people said, amen. If you need prayer, please come down front. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is from John chapter 6, verse 37. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.